0: Well, good evening uh, again. Welcome to Park Church. Merry Christmas again. My name is Matt. I am a pastor here on staff, and uh, I'm not the first person to welcome you, and I won't be the last, but we're really glad that you've decided to be with us here this evening at Park Church. I want to get right to it, because I think tonight I get to share what's the like it's the greatest thing that people like me get to share with people like you on days like this. Um, we're talking about God's love tonight, as we hear it, as we experience it, as it becomes real in our lives uh, through the birth of Jesus at that at that very first Christmas time. If you are new to Park Church, or if you're visiting, or if you haven't been here all throughout this Christmas season, I want to get you caught up. Um, we've been going through this series. It's called "Let There Be." And those are the first three words that God speaks in the Bible. If you open it up to, you know, Genesis chapter 1, page 1, you're going to see God saying, let there be light, and he creates light. Let there be land, and he creates land. Let there be animals, and he creates animals. When God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things get called into existence that didn't exist before. And why that matters for Christmas is because we believe Uh, In that manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, with the shepherds and the angels and the sheep and the horses and everything else there, we believe that God speaks, spoke a new word. God spoke a new word, not through verbal words, but through a person, through his son, Jesus. And he is the word who we have to hear and who um, speaks truth into our lives in ways that we can't imagine and can't speak to ourselves. This word is the best word that we could hear. It's the highest word. It's the deepest word. It's the word that we need in order to go forward. And so we believe that at Christmas, um, through Jesus, things were brought into existence and made real in our lives that we can't on our own. Things like hope. We talked about hope in the midst of hopeless situations. And light, how sometimes life feels like it's dark and we can't see the way forward. But when Jesus comes in, he, sheds, he casts light onto our path. We talked about joy, how there are times in our lives where we will go through adversity, things that we don't want to have to face and that are difficult to face, but we can face them uh, in joy, not because God makes our life easier or because we get what we want, but because we can trust in him for our future. We talked about glory just yesterday morning. We talked about peace, Um, and this evening, our topic is love. We're going to let there be love uh, this Christmas. Before we get into this topic, though, I want to ask you a question about what you brought into this place uh, when it comes to God. Those words that were up there, peace, light, joy, right, those are the words that we believe about God. That's what we think here at Park Church. And I wonder, what is the word that you bring into this place? The fact is, every single person, whether you come here every Sunday or you've never been here before, everyone, when you walk through those doors at a night like this, you are coming in with some ideas in your head about God, some word that you've heard about God, with some preconceived notion. Um, Questions like, what is God like? Um, Who is God? Who, Who does God like? Does God like me? Does God like people like me? Or does God just like people who do better than I do? And some of you here um, are coming with really strong beliefs about who God is and you're happy with that because that, that God that you know is good. Some of you are coming here certain about who God is and that's not a good thing because the God that you've imagined or the God that you've um, heard about is not a great, is not a great God. Some of you, I know, are coming here this evening sincerely wondering, seeking answers to some of these questions, while some of you, I know, are here because this is what we do on Christmas Eve. We go to church, and then we go and eat the roast beast later, right? (laughs) Um, The bottom line is, every single person who comes into this place comes in with baggage about God. Everyone comes in with God baggage, right? A God who maybe is less than kind, Or the God that you carried into this place um, is less than welcoming or less than friendly. Or the God that you carried into this place seems arbitrary to you. Like, he cares a lot about some weird things, but not about other things that are really important. Um, Or the God that you walked in with today um, doesn't seem to make sense of the world that you live in. The bottom line is, we all carry in God baggage to places like this, on nights like this. And here's what I want for you, here's what I hope for you. That if you're carrying God baggage in like that today, tonight, you would be able to put that baggage down. You'd be able to empty your hands because I think what I have to give you, and it's not me that gives it, but it's God that gives it. I think what I have to give you um, is the greatest gift that you could possibly receive and you can't receive it if your hands are full of this baggage. So I hope that you could put those bags down, receive that gift, because I think if you take it home, if you take this gift with you and unwrap it, open it in your life, let it change your life, your life will be different. Your life will be um, better in every way that it's meant to be better, because your life will be lived in the way that God means for you to live your life, if you would receive this gift and take it with you today. And the gift that we're talking about is nothing other than the life that God gives us through his son because he loves us. So when we're talking about love at Christmas, um, we can't look to those typical stories. We can't look to the shepherds and angels and wise men because the word love is actually curiously missing from all of those stories. There's one moment where a man named Zechariah talks about the tender mercy of God That um, when Jesus is born at Christmas, it is like God's tender mercy in person. And this is like that deep um, compassion that wells up and moves God to action. That's the closest thing we get to love in any of those stories. And so we can't look at those. We can't talk about the wise men and the shepherds uh, this evening. Instead, we're going to look to a man named John. Uh, John was one of the followers of Jesus, who was really the closest to Jesus. There are there are four what's called gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and John is the fourth one. John was a regular guy, just like any of us. Well, any of us guys. He was a regular person, just like any of us people, right? Um, he was a regular guy who Jesus met, and he followed Jesus uh, for the rest of his life. And so John was there when Jesus taught. And he heard him again and again and again. John was there when, when Jesus would touch people who you just couldn't touch in those days to heal them. John was there to see that. John was there when he saw Jesus um, multiply the loaves and the fish to feed people who were hungry. John was there when he saw, uh, he saw Jesus die. John was there after Jesus was raised from the dead. He was there for it. And he followed Jesus for the rest of his life. And um, tradition says that he lived until he was about 90 years old. So for about 50, 60 years after Jesus died, what John did was he just walked around, he traveled around that area, and he told people the stories. He retold the teachings that he heard from Jesus again and again. He told people about who Jesus healed and who Jesus fed and what Jesus' death means. And later in life, um, the people around John said to him, hey, you got to write this stuff down so that we don't lose this because you're going to die soon. And so John wrote it down. And that's how we got the Gospel of John. That's how a lot of our Bible came together. It's these people who saw Jesus, who were with Jesus, heard these stories and told them again and again. They wrote them down. Now, when John was writing his book, I don't think that he thought he was going to write down one of the most famous things that would ever come out of the Bible. Um, there's one passage, it's something that Jesus says, and it's just absolutely uh, like the central thing in the Christian faith. It's one of the most well-known things. There's a good chance that you have memorized it. There's a good chance that you are at least familiar with it, but you've definitely seen it at sporting events and whatnot. It's John 3.16. This is, this is, this is the verse that goes up on the signs that people hold up. John 3.16. Listen to what um, John writes. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. God so loves the world. Does that sound like the God who you walked in with today? The God that you walked in carrying today? If you were to think about um, the opinions, the minds of people who you work with or who you live next to or who you see at Starbucks, um, is that the image of God that they have? The problem is our images of God, what we think about God, are so shaped by uh, really so many factors, right? Right? how we're raised, what kind of church we went to when we were a kid, um, what kind of church we went to when we were adult, if that was a good church experience or a bad church experience, um, what the leaders of those churches made us feel, right? And then it's also shaped by our our culture, by the media, by what we read in the newspaper, people don't read newspapers anymore, Um, by what people see on the internet, right? By what people hear about in movies and TV and radio and all this sort of stuff. And so when we come together and we hear a passage like this, when we hear Jesus' words like this, as clear as day about what God is like, there's a really good chance that we're just not able to hear it. We're not able um, to believe it because we're because our hands are too filled with all these bags. And so, what I want to do this evening is I want to help. Um, I want to help empty some of those bags with you, so that you can receive really what Jesus has to say to you here. So Jesus starts by saying, "For God so." loved the world. And this is one that we just get wrong in this culture. If you ask people again, um, what is God like? It is, it is doubtful the first thing out of their mouth is going to be, God so loved the world. It's going to probably be more like, God is so tired of the world. Or God is so ticked off that people just can't get their acts together. Right? Or God is so um, eye roll emoji at the world. Right? Um, or Maybe even for some people and some groups, God so despises the world. He's just, he's just up there. He's angry. He's mad all the time. Or God is so disconnected from the world that he actually has no impact in what happens here. But jesus that's not how Jesus characterizes it. He says God so loved the world. And what is love? Um, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. That's the first service that killed. Um, (laughs) What is love? Uh, Love is not, when Jesus talks about it here, love is not the sort of love that a man has for a woman or that a man has for his sandwich or that a man has um, for a friend or a brother. Love is this thing that's almost totally unique to God. It's unconditional, meaning it's without, um, you can't earn it and you can't unearn it. It's unlimited. In some ways, it's unexplainable. It's uncontainable. It's, um, it's unending. It's limitless, this love. And God's love is the sort of love that gives of itself completely and totally for the other person, for their good, for their benefit, even if it costs God something, if it costs God everything. That's the sort of love that God so loved the world with. When you think about the God who you carried in here today, who you walked in with, is that how your God is characterized? Jesus continues, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's himself, so that whoever. And whoever, that's the part uh, where like the record stops, the needle scratches, and everyone gets quiet at the party. Right? In those days, that word whoever, that was the wrong word for Jesus to say. Um, In that culture, there were very clear lines about who God loved and who God didn't love. When Jesus said, uh, so that whoever, this um, this was radical, this was something that was unexpected. Jesus says that the world is the object of God's love. And so for you to be a potential whoever, all you have to do is be part of the world. What that does for us, is that for one thing it challenges the way we're able to love other people because the whoever's in our life who are the hardest to love right the neighbor who just kind of gets under your skin the coworker the person who took your spot this morning or the person who took your job or the person who took your business the person who took your girl right these are hard whoever's to love the person who used to be part of your family but's no longer really part of your family, or the person who used to be part of your group of friends but you've kind of pushed out because of what they've done. These are hard whoever's for us to love, but these are potential whoever's of God's love. But do you know who else is a whoever? You are a whoever. You are a whoever of God's love. Now you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, yeah, but he doesn't know... Um, what I've done. He doesn't know what kind of life I've lived. He doesn't know what I did, what I do, what I'm going to do. And here's the thing. You're absolutely right. I don't know that about you. But Jesus does know that about you. And Jesus still calls you a whoever. When you walked into this place this evening, is your God that you carried in here a God of whoever? Or is it a God of only those People or only the right kind of people. Jesus says, whoever, and then he says, believes in him. And this is where it gets tricky, and this is where we get tricked. We make all kinds of stuff up to go in that place rather than believes in him. Um, What we usually do is say things like this whoever follows all the rules, whoever goes to church enough, whoever gives enough, whoever checks off all the boxes. Whoever um, is good enough in God's eyes, whoever makes themselves good enough in God's eyes, whoever gets their life finally lined up and finally right, whoever is perfect, that's not what he says. He says whoever believes in. Jesus also doesn't say whoever believes that. And this is a little confusing, but there's this idea out there that in order for you to believe in Jesus, in order for you to be a follower of Jesus, there's a list of things that you have to believe are true. And some of the things in that list are good things to believe and you should believe them, but some of those things are just not important to believe or even true to believe. And here's what I mean by that. There's a whole world out there that says that um, God and science are incompatible. And you have to make a choice between one or the other. And because you kind of think science is right, you can't believe that God is true because you also believe that science is true. That whole thing, it's rubbish. That's not Um, what Jesus says here. The same is true for God and philosophy. The same is true of God and psychology, God and logic, God and reason, God and history. These are all the same things. Um, Jesus here, he cares much less about believe that, and he cares much more about believe in. And when Jesus says believe in, here is what he means. He means that you entrust yourself into his hands. That's what he means by believe in. Now, as someone who believes in Jesus, are there a lot of things that you will have to come to believe that might be difficult to believe? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But here's the thing. Um, Jesus leads us into all the truth. The Spirit leads us into the truth. He helps us believe the that if first we believe in. The God that you walked in, in with today, who maybe you can't believe in, Because of the that problem. Um, Is that God characterized more by believe that or believe in? When Jesus talks about believing in him, this is what he means by that. About a year ago, actually a year and a week ago, I had a little surgical procedure. This was a little unexpected. I'm still here. I'm with us. This is not a hologram. Um, I'm still here. I I had this cyst on the back of my neck that was growing for quite some time. It was there for about a year. I don't like the doctor, so I don't like really to go to the doctor. Um, but this thing, around Thanksgiving, it started to get bigger, and it started to get bigger and bigger, so that by uh, the week before Christmas Eve, one week beforehand, which is not at all a busy time for people like me, um, this thing was so big, it was about as big as my head. It was in competition for as big as my head. I could barely turn my neck. I couldn't put like a collared shirt on, so I finally, I go to the doctor a week before Christmas Eve, and the doctor's like, yeah, you're going to have to get that taken off. Um, and so he's like, don't worry about it, though. Go to the ER. I have a guy, which I love the fact that my doctor has a guy who, who can go and do this in the ER. He's like, it'll, it'll take about an hour, no problem. So I go to the ER, and he's like, yeah, you, this is going to be more than that. So this was about a seven or eight hour ordeal. right? Um, in this, I had to be laid down on my stomach and, uh, and, and intubated, and I had to be you know put under. I had to be knocked out to get this thing cut off the back of my neck, and it was fine, um, but it was my first ever experience being put under, being knocked out, and I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but being put under is the closest thing I can tell you um, to what Jesus means by believe in, because when you uh, go under like that, You are believing in that medical team. You are entrusting yourself into their care, into their hands. You're entrusting yourself, your body, um, your life, your future, into their hands. And you are giving up control of it. When Jesus says, believe in him, that's what he means. Now notice, I also believed that the doctor knew what he was doing and he got his degree from a real institution, right? And I also believe that the anesthesiologist makes enough money not to uh, end my life on the table. And I believe that everything is sterile, and that it's something I need to actually do and be a part of. But listen, I can believe that. I can believe all of that, and never get the surgery. Never believe in the doctor's to actually get this procedure done. And if that's the case, I would have had something like, it's like this big by now, and you wouldn't be listening to me. You'd be listening to a cyst talking, right? Um, we can do that with Jesus. We can work at believing all of the right that's, but if we never believe in, if we never entrust ourselves to Jesus, we might miss the whole thing. And here's the thing. When you believe in, Even if you don't have the that's all lined up, when you believe in, he will help you believe the that. When you believe in him, this is what happens. You don't perish, whatever that means. Whatever that means, it's not good, right? It's the opposite of receiving life. When you believe in, you receive eternal life. And some more baggage that we bring in is that we think that eternal life is, you know, angels and clouds and harps and all of this stuff. Um, And that's just kind of boring. But that's not what Jesus means when he says eternal life. Eternal life does mean life with God forever in a different, new, like glorious sort of way. But it also means life now. It means life the way it's meant to be lived now in the hope of Jesus, in light rather than in our own darkness, in joy, um, in a meaningful relationship with God, in peace. For Jesus, there's not a lot of middle ground here. It's either uh, don't believe in and perish, or it's believe in and have life. It's either don't receive the gift, perish, receive the gift, open it, enjoy it, life. And so the question that I need to ask you this evening is why wouldn't you take it? Why wouldn't you uh, receive it, unwrap the gift, use it, enjoy it in your life? Why wouldn't you? It's, It's absolutely free. God, the gift of his son, his salvation, his presence, his light and life, it is absolutely free. It is as if God is extending his hand to you right now and saying, here, take this. It's for you. Why wouldn't you take it? A lot of people won't take it. A lot of people will see it and they'll leave it under that tree and they'll turn, and they'll walk away um, unopened, unplayed with, unenjoyed. And life will not be different because of that. Why wouldn't you take it? The bottom line is, there's a lot of reasons. We, we all have that baggage that we walk in with. Maybe, maybe for you, maybe you just don't think any of this is true. Maybe you think that all we are is just a mass of atoms and molecules and chemical processes and all of this just kind of going forward through space and time. And here's the thing, I can't convince you otherwise of that. I can't convince you I'm right and I can't convince you I'm wrong. I don't believe, though, because of some convincing proof or because of some um, logical argument that makes all of the sense in the world. Here's what happened for me. When I believed in Jesus, he's the one who proved himself to me. It's not um, that you have to believe all of the that. You have to just trust in, and he will show himself to you. He will, he will do that. Maybe for some of you, you don't want to receive this gift. You don't want to open this gift because you've seen what happens when other people open this gift. You see what it turns them into, right? And if that's what Christians are like, then I'm not sure I want to, I want to be like that. I'm not, I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. We all have known or are sometimes like just hypocritical Christians, Right? who talk the talk, but we do not walk the walk. We talk about love all the time, but Christians are known for being like some of the most judgmental, kind of crabby people out there. And there are hypocritical churches that talk about love all the time, but are only known by what they hate. They're only known by what they're against. They're only known by who to vote for and who not to vote for. But the worst of all of them, of course, is hypocritical church leaders, the people who lead this place. Priests who do things that we can't talk about. Nuns with the rulers, right? Pastors with jets. Pastors with other women. Um, Pastors who have a blind eye to the hurt and the oppressed, the marginalized. Look, it's a real valid reason for not wanting to put your trust in Jesus because look at his people. I get that. But here's the thing. Don't confuse the cup for the contents it holds. Don't confuse the bearer of the gift for the gift itself. Christians, churches, church leaders um, are are made up of flawed, broken people just just like anyone else. It would be a crime and it is a crime every single time someone like you um, rejects the gift that's offered because the giver, because the bearer of the gift um, can't live up to it. Don't let that happen for you. Don't forfeit life because of that. Don't confuse the cup for the contents it holds. But maybe you also wouldn't receive this gift because you just don't think you're the right person to be getting it. Because you're not good enough. You're not worthy. There's too much sin. There's too much baggage. There's too many skeletons. Too much doubt. Too much, too much. You're damaged goods. You forfeited the right to this gift because you said no to it too many times. And look, I told you already. Jesus told you already. Whoever. You are a whoever. One of the basics, the very basics of faith in Jesus is that we are never good enough. We are never going to have it all together. None of us are ever going to be worthy of it except that God is the giver and God decides who is worthy and who is the right person and he has decided for you even when you've decided against him because he so loves you. He loves you without end, without condition, without the deal in place. You're the wrong person who he has made right. So why wouldn't you take it? Take it with you and enjoy it and live with it and let it change you. Why wouldn't you? Maybe, maybe you just don't know how. I think there's a lot of people out there who want God to be a part of their life, who want faith to be something that's real in their life and that changes them. And they just don't know how to make that happen. And look, here's the two best things I could tell you about that. One, is just talk to God about it. That's what prayer is, talking to God. Ask God to come into your heart, to come into your life, to open your mind and to, to open your soul in a way that that um, that changes things, that changes you. And the second thing I'll say is get get involved with a local group of people who are trying to follow Jesus together. Get involved with a local church. If you don't, you know, come back next week, come back the week after or the week after. And if you don't like this church, Find a different church in this area who you can go to and grow with. And if you're not from this area, find a church in that area. Because that's how you're going to actually learn to trust and learn to believe in Jesus and have your life changed by that. Why wouldn't you take the gift? Whatever the bags are that you're carrying, whatever the baggage is that you bring into this place about God, why wouldn't you put it down? And empty your hands and receive the gift that Jesus lays out for you, that Jesus has died to give you. Why wouldn't you? He so loves you. Now is the time to take that gift and to let there be love in your life, in your world. Let there be God's love overflowing you, permeating you, changing you from the inside out, and directing your path forward. That's that's why we have a Christmas, because God's so loved. He wants you to experience and to have that life now and forever. So let that be. Receive the gift, take it home, open it, enjoy it. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the gift that is your son, the gift that is life in him, the gift that is your love lavished so uh, wildly upon us. Lord, you know what baggage we bring into this place, what we're carrying, the beliefs we have about you, the ideas, the thoughts we have. We pray, God, that you would help us to put those bags down, to empty our hands, and to receive you for the first time, to receive you again and again with empty and open hands. God, for those of us who you are calling um, to believe in you and to trust in you, maybe even for the first time, we pray that you would give us the courage and the humility and the faith to do that. God, we pray that you would help us to pray. As we uh, seek to connect with a local church, with a local group of Christians who are doing this together, we pray that you would lead us to the right one, whether it's here or somewhere else. Lord, we pray that the life that you that you that you came to give and that you died for. We pray that that would um, permeate into each and every heart and mind in this place and that it would overflow into the world around so that this world would come to know um, that it is the object of your love as well. We thank you, Jesus, that you are this gracious and this loving and this good. And in your name, we pray all these things and continue to sing. Amen.